0: So today uh, is the third part of a series that we're going through um, on the global mission and how little old Brantford Bible Chapel can have a part, play a part, have an effect on what God is doing globally among uh, the nations, among every tribe, tongue, nation, and people group. All ethnicities will be in heaven. And so uh, there's a mission that we can be put on. But how do we, Brantford Bible Chapel, and I don't know, 20, whatever, 100 people, uh, be a part in that. So the first week we looked at uh, what is the mission and, uh, and what, it, what it looks like. And then we moved to why the mission, why do we do the mission. And that's what Tyler touched last week. And so then this week is the last part, and it is how. So how are we uh, going to do this mission among all nations and all peoples? Um, so uh, this is a more of a topical message. Um, which is not the most comfortable for me, but that's okay. Um, I'm gonna to try to stay in one passage for a while, but we'll go to we'll have three points. Keep it simple, all right? Three points. We're gonna have one overarching point. One, one big question, one overarching point to answer that question, and then three simple ways of how we do that, all right? So, uh, and also too, this this is gonna have two parts to it. So there's gonna be like this preaching part, and then I'm gonna have a slide and kind of show you a little bit more specifically of what we can do um, after. So. This is also a little unique in that way, but um, so the, the the question is how did right, how do we bring for Bible Chapel um, uh, become involved in the mission? And so the question I want to ask when we look at the Bible is how did the people of God spread the glory of God? Right, that's what Tyler talked about last week. Is that why is the big why is that we need to spread God's glory among the nations? We need to make Him look good because uh, worship is not happening in certain places. And that's a problem. People don't know. They they can't be satisfied in God because they don't know Him. And so we need to spread that glory so that they can be satisfied in Him. And so today, uh, we're going to look at how did the people of God spread the glory of God? That's the question I'm going to ask every point. How did the people of God spread the glory of God? And the one overarching answer, the big answer to that, is they did it by being satisfied in God. So we will spread... The glory of God when we are satisfied. So that's the that's the big overarching question and big overarching answer. And so when we're satisfied in God, that's going to play out uh, in three ways. And that's what we're going to... There's probably more, but three specific that we see in the text of the Bible. And those three specific ways are uh, praying, giving, and sending. And that that answer, they they did it by being satisfied in God. That satisfaction is what's going to drive us to pray. That... Delight in God is what's gonna drive us to give. That joy is gonna push us to go and send. Alright, so that's, that's the, that's the outline. That's what we're working with here, alright? Um, and so that, we're gonna look really in, in all of these points at those specific things. So, um, if you would, uh, let's see. Okay, topical. So, I'm gonna to go to Acts 13. You guys go to 2 Corinthians 8. So, uh, for this first point, you're gonna have to listen to me. Um, but then the second point, we're really gonna get in. Third point will be a little quicker as well, but. So, um, go to 2 Corinthians 8, keep your finger there, and then flip over to Acts 13 with me. I know that's confusing, I'm sorry. Some of you are like, what the heck? (laughs) Quick flips. So if you're in 2 Corinthians 8, hold your place there, flip over to Acts 13. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. And now keep in mind, how did the people of God spread the glory of God among the nations? And the answer is by being satisfied in God, they prayed. All right, so look at, look at this, chapter 13 of Acts, verse 1. Now there were in church in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was also called Niger, Lucian of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So there's a people, a church. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So the first point, how do we spread the glory of God, is by being satisfied in God. They prayed. That's what the people of God did. They prayed. They're up in this room praying to God. And they're worshiping Him and fasting and praying. And those three things are kind of this... One big thing altogether. So they're worshiping, and worship is is they're ascribing value to God. They're saying how good He is. They're they're saying how worthy He is. And then also too, it says they're fasting. So they're they're making much of God. And in a way, they're saying uh, this is just a way to describe what worship really is: is that hey, Jesus is better than that. That's ascribing value to Him, right? He's better than than what you name it. He's better than. And so in that ascribing value, we see it that they do it in fasting and praying. And so in this way that they're ascribing value to God is saying, well, he's better than food. They're fasting. They're saying he's better than other activities in our time. They're praying. And so that is what the people of God did. And now I'm going to read a bunch of verses here. So just stick with me, um, because prayer became this, the model For the local church. And it started early in Acts and continued throughout. And you see it all riddled in Paul's letters about him praying for the church. And then the church praying for him as the missionary. Right? So Paul's, there's tons of times where Paul's asking as the missionary for prayer from the church. And that's our part, right? We're the church. So we pray for our missionaries. We pray for the people that we send out and that we support. So here, I'll just read these verses and just soak your mind with these. As Paul asks for prayer... Um, Ephesians 6, 19-20, it says, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I will, may, will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I declare it fearlessly as I should. Colossians 2, 2-4, Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. 2 Corinthians 1.11 You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Romans 15.30-33 says, I urge you, brothers, and by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there so that by God's will I may come to you. Philippians 1:19. I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. 2 Thessalonians 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as it happened among you. Now, listen here. Two quick verses. Listen to how the church prayed for their missionaries in Acts. Acts 4, 23 through 24. When they were released, Peter and John, they, were, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when the church heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and they prayed. And then again, Acts 12, verse 5, it says So Peter was kept in prison. Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Listen, the, the, the people of God in the Bible knew that if this mission, if this gospel is going to get to the ends of the earth, then we can't do this on our own. And so prayer was the posture of dependency upon God to fulfill the mission that He was going to accomplish. And so they bowed their knees and they prayed for their missionaries and they struggled in them with prayer with earnestness and thanksgiving and for deliverance. An advancement of the gospel and clear words to be spoken. This is how we pray for our missionaries. This is the part, one of the ways that we can play a part in God's global mission. Through prayer. I don't have access to people in Tibet right now. But God is using people over there and I can pray to him and he works there. It's a unique system. It's a unique system. So the, how do the people of God spread the glory of God? Well, we just saw like quickly but So the second point in light of the question, how did the people of God spread the glory of God? The answer is by being satisfied in God, they gave. They gave. So number 2 is is the give. Let's look at Second Corinthians eight one through nine. Paul says this to the church in Corinth. Paul says to them, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a av- severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, And in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this, not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. This is a... This is a... unique passage in the Bible. Um, one, that, one that even messes with my head a little bit. Uh, I, trying to wrap my mind around some of this has been a difficult. Not necessarily understanding like what's going on, but the implications of what happened. Um, you have Paul, a missionary, writing to a church and he's saying, hey, I want to encourage you to be givers. And he he says, I'm going to, and I'm going to show you an example. And the example is the churches in Macedonia. So that's like Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. He said, I want you to see their example. And their example, he calls, it, it's, he calls it an act of grace. I want you to know about the grace of God given among you, verse 1. But he says to them, I want you to see this example. And so, uh, really quick, just, just so we can see the point of the passage, look at verse 7. The point of the passage is that we would see the example and then imitate it in the same way. So look at verse 7. But as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, and knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Right? That's the point of the passage. Is that we would see the example in the Bible from however long ago when this happened and say, that is the example. That is what is set before us. Let's imitate this. And so... Uh, that's the point of this this passage specifically, but what's going on? What is this act of grace? What is this example? Look at verse 2. This is what's happening in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So you have... Joy and poverty. Happy but broke. That's the recipe. And what is the outcome of poverty and joy for the churches in Macedonia? A wealth of generosity. Like they didn't, they didn't have a lot of money. And they were in really hard times. And the money that they had, they gave it. They didn't keep it. They didn't complain about the test of the affliction that was happening to them, right? That's that's what that's what my mind goes to. I think, man, if I were in a a hard situation, first I'd be like, "What the heck is happening? What's going on?" But their response so different. Their response is. It doesn't matter what's happened. We have joy in what God has done for us in the Gospel. That's why he says, look at this. He calls it in verse 1, an act of grace. This is stunning an extraordinary, to say the least. An act of grace. This is not natural for them. They saw God's grace. They saw the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus And they were filled with joy. And that joy was better and greater than their poverty. That joy was greater than their affliction. And that's why they were able to give. That joy is what drove them to give. That joy of being satisfied in God pushed them. It's what moved them. It's what fueled them. That's why they gave. Like, that's not natural, right? Right? This, it needs to be an act of grace for us to give like this. We need to be satisfied in God. Find this joy in Him. That's what makes us give like this. It's like, it almost like when you, when you really think about it, that's what I'm saying, this message in my head, Like that seems too extreme. Like they had good human reasons not to give, correct? Good, good ones. But that didn't stop them because joy. And so you, people are maybe looking at them just going like, what are they doing? That's crazy. I think of, um, I used to uh, landscape before I started working uh, in my own business and um, uh, there was tons of like old ladies that I would uh, mow their lawn and they would have me come and do like side jobs. And uh, whether it was gardening or sweeping the front porch of cobwebs or uh, going grocery shopping for them. Uh, there's this one lady, Mrs. Ewer, uh, and she was so nice. She would, uh, she was so nice. Oh, I'm Anglican, praise God. You're a wonderful young man. And she was just so nice. All, every, I mean, every day when I'd see her, she would say that. And, like, and just totally honest, that's how she was. And uh, she would have me uh, go grocery shopping for her sometimes because she couldn't drive anymore. So I would go grocery shopping. And now, don't... This isn't a pat on my back. I, she paid me, so... You'll hear why. Um, she, would, she would pay me. So I would go grocery shop before, get her all her stuff, come back, and uh, she would go in, get her money out, and shoot, I mean like stacks of money, like crazy money. Like if I were an idiot, I could take advantage of her. And so she would come out with her money and she, she would give me money to go grocery shopping, like 80 bucks or whatever, and I'd come back, give her the change, here's the receipt. And then she would say, okay, how much do I owe you now? Like ah, Whatever, like, it doesn't matter. And she'd, she'd say... How about uh, how about a hundred dollars? 150? You want one fifty? Two hundred. I got two hundred here. Honey, take the two hundred. I'm like, missing two hundred? That's that's a lot of money. Like, that's not that's not worth it. She was a little crazy, right? She was getting old, she was maybe it wasn't all there, but she was a little bit crazy, and so she said, No, just take the I'm like, fifty bucks is enough, let alone a hundred. Like, you don't need to give me that much. Um but I use that example because she was giving more, much more than what human standards would say is acceptable, right? She was giving exceedingly more than what anyone would say is, is the right amount. Correct? 150 for doing the gross? Yeah. <laughs> That's way more than, we're, than I was supposed to get. She was a little crazy. Like, maybe... Maybe we need to be a little bit crazy. Maybe we need to be a little bit crazy with our money for the gospel. For the sake of people among all nations coming to know him. Maybe that's it. The churches in Macedonia looked a little bit crazy. But they had joy in poverty God's grace on their lives, the ever-constant cross that puts us in right standing with God forever is what made them joyful. The gospel, eternal life in Christ is what gave them joy. And their joy in that grace made them give like they were crazy old ladies losing their minds. Take a risk. Maybe we need to be just a little bit crazy. Just a little bit with our money. Crazy about the gospel. Crazy about seeing Christ's name made known to the ends of the earth. I mean, isn't that Matthew 13, 44? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And a man, he stumbles over it. He finds it. He goes back to his home, sells everything he has. That's crazy. Everything. All of it. Why? So he can buy that field. And it says that when he sold all his possessions and his house and his money, when he got rid of all of it, Says he did it in joy. It's Matthew 13:44. You can look it up. He he went and sold everything in joy because he wanted the field. Why? He's got a hunch. Something in that field. So we need to to, to get this joy. To for us to, to get this type of joy, we need to see what Jesus has done for us in the gospel. Look at verse nine of Acts or of Second uh, Corinthians eight, verse nine. This is Paul's reason. That's why the verse nine it says for, or you could substitute that word because. Why? Because you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where's he going? He's going back to the gospel, that through that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. He's saying Christ was rich in heaven with the Father, and He left it all. He abandoned all of it to come down on the earth and become poor. And you and I, we were bankrupt in our souls on this earth. And He came, and He paid our penalty, and He made us rich in Him. That's what Paul's getting at. And that is why we give. That's why we give. No other reason. That is it. Christ is our example. God is our satisfaction. The Holy Spirit is going to help us do this. We will be so tempted to be stingy with our money and just spend it on ourselves and be selfish. So easy for us to do that, correct? I mean, like I just think about me all the time. Now, think about Christ. Think about what He did. And let the Gospel transform you so that you can act like Him by the power of the Spirit. So that you can become poor for someone else's sakes, so that they might become rich in Christ. They were bank, their bank accounts were low, but they gave joyfully. The Macedonians, their pockets were light, but their joy was heavy. And there's some, Paul gives some specific instruction on, like, be a little crazy, don't be stupid, but be a little crazy. In verse 12, he kind of gets at that. He says, For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. He's not saying take out a $50,000 loan and just give it all away. If you don't have 50000 Maybe you do. <laughs> give it all away. You got it. Right? He's saying don't, don't be stupid. Be a little crazy. And so I want us to think too, because they didn't just give just money, right? It's a, look at verse 5. It says in this, Paul says, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You get that? That was the pattern. They didn't just give their money. They gave themselves. They they became so delighted in God that they said, take all of me. Not just my money. Take all of me. And so, I just want to say this too, especially if you're a visitor here, like, I'm not up here trying to uh, take your money, or there's no offering after this or anything like that, And if you go here, you know, like that's not what we're trying to do. Um, and the reason why we're not like that is because God's not like that. Like God doesn't want your money. Like He, he does not want your money, nor does He need it. And if God doesn't want your money, then, then neither should we. But what God wants is more than your money. He wants your heart. Because when He has your heart, He's got everything. He's got your money. He's got your lifestyle. He's got your family. He's got your house. He's got your possessions. He has all of it. And all of those things are in control. He's in control of. So He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. So, like, if that is true, which I really believe it is, and I don't know if all the time to point it out to you, but this is what will fuel the mission. This is what fuels the global mission. He doesn't want you to be, to give your money. He wants you to be filled with joy in Him. This is what fuels the global mission. This is what fuels God being glorified in your life. He wants you to be satisfied in Him. This is what fuels giving that makes God look good. So like, understand this. If you and I want to be a part of God's global mission among the nations, like, I, that means you don't have to have a lot of money or resources. You don't need power or position. You just need joy. That's it. You just need joy. And you can find it in Christ. You can receive it in the Gospel. That's amazing. I don't need a lot of money to be a part of what God is doing among the nations. I just need joy. The Macedonians did not have a lot of money. No, they gave themselves, and that's why they were able to give in poverty and affliction. They gave themselves first to the Lord. So, like but think about that. Like do we think in that type of box? Like in that box, I don't need money. I just need joy. You just need a heart and mind that has been really affected by what Jesus has done for you in the Gospel. It's all you need to be a part of this. And He wants you to see Him. God wants you to see Him as the treasure, not your income. He wants you to see Him as most valuable, not your job or your investments or re- your retirement plan or life insurance. Him. He is most valuable. He is... Reigns supremely over all of those things. And if he has your heart, he has all of those things. And he had the churches in Macedonia's hearts, did he not? He had them. And I want to, the last point in this passage is um, probably my favorite here. Uh, if you look in verse 4. Uh, six of the most stunning words. I'm um, going to say in the Bible. I'll just say in this passage. These are just six stunning words. Verse 4. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. See that? They, they, they begged. Sounds <laughs> so weird. They begged to be a part of what was happening among the nations. They saw it as a favor. Favor. To give money, like empty your account, as a favor for them. They were thankful. I think the reason why is they saw their giving as a favor because God's grace on their lives was undeserved. right? Grace, salvation is an undeserved gift. And when you see your life in Christ as an undeserved, amazing gift, you will then see that living for Christ is a joyous favor. Giving your money to make the gospel known to the ends of the earth is a privilege, not a burden. Not a burden. Even later, Paul says this... uh, um, In uh, in the next chapter, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong page. In the next chapter, in chapter 9, verse 7, he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You have an opportunity to give, and you feel, eh, I don't want to, don't give. God doesn't want your money. You feel, eh, I have to give. Don't give. Don't open your checkbook. God does not want it. He doesn't want a penny from you if that's your mindset. He wants a cheerful giver. He wants one who's been transformed by the gospel, satisfied in God. And these people saw it as a privilege, right? Think about this, right? Think about... Think about their position for all of eternity now. Because they did this, because they continued in this, this type of giving and this type of support for the missionaries going globally to the nations, for all of eternity, the churches in Macedonia will be a part of what God did among the nations forever. Forever. Forever and ever and ever. They will have played a part in God reaching people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. All the people groups are going to be reached. You read Revelation five; they're there, and these people got to play a part in it. It was a it was a favor for them. It was a privilege. I when um when uh, Johnny Johnny was twelve years old, uh, there was a there's a baseball team that went to Cooperstown, New York, and had this huge tournament. And there was like seventy something teams from all over the country. Is really good baseball and. Uh, and it was like, you could lead, it was like a pony league, and it was fun, and, uh, and so there was like a hand-picked 12-year-old team of all the All-Stars, and uh, so Johnny was picked on the team, and uh, Johnny was 12, and I was 10, and uh, the coaches, uh, they, they knew me, I think my dad was one of the coaches too, but um, they asked if I wanted to be on the team, and there were tons of other kids they could have picked, right? There was other 12-year-olds who were better than me, and they could have picked them, um, but but they asked me to be on the team. And I remember my dad uh, explaining to me where he said, um, he said, hey, you know, like you can be on the team in Cooperstown. You want to be on the team? But there's a thing. You might not play a single in. You might not be on the field. You might not get a single at-bat. And there's not a whole lot you're going to do. But you can be on the team. They're going to put your name on the roster. They're going to give you a jersey. You can be in the dugout, in the cabin, all week with the team. And so, for me, as a ten year old that's a no brainer that's a no brainer. I was so pumped like it didn't matter the downside it didn't matter that whether I was going to get on the field. it w- didn't matter if I was going to get any playing time at all it didn't matter if I got a single up bat at all like i don't I just want to be on the team, and so I got to Warm up the right fielder or sweep the dugout of sunflower seeds or pick up the best. I didn't care. I was on the team. I'm in. And in a greater way, God God is sending teams to people who have never heard of him all across the world. All across the world, God is sending people to reach unreached peoples with the gospel. And we get to be a part of the team. We have a role to play. This is not a burden in the least, this is a privilege. We get to be on the team for all of eternity. They will be there. And we can be a part of this through praying, through giving, through sending and visiting and supporting our missionaries. We can be on this team. And yes, there may be downsides to it. Like you might have to give up some money or, or maybe you don't have that vacation home in Florida that you've saved up for, Or maybe your retirement plan isn't as big. Maybe it's not like this... Luxurious amount of money, or maybe it's not you don't get to get the, to drive the car that you wanted your whole life, or the, the addition in your house. Like maybe you don't get that stuff, but you get to be on the team. You get a part in this. All of us do. God has picked us, He's chosen us to play a part. There's a joy that supersedes these downsides. God has invited us to go. And then the last part we see is you can go back to Acts 13. Same passage. So that question, right, is how did the people of God spread the glory of God? Uh, in, in the book of Corinthians, they did it by being satisfied in God. And uh, that made them give. And so, in, uh, in this last part, how did the people of God spread the glory of God? Uh, they did it by being satisfied in God, so they went. They sent, and they went. We just read Acts 13, 1-3, so I'll just pick up in verse 2 again. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, "Send apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. They laid their hands on them and sent them off. Paul and Barnabas sent out in global mission. And we see it's because they're satisfied. We looked at it earlier. They're worshiping and fasting and praying. That shows how satisfied they were in God. The Holy Spirit called them. And it was a no brainer. They went. They prayed and they went. So how is God going to use Brandford Bible Chapel? He's gonna send us. He's gonna send us to go and He's gonna send us to visit. We have, we have a part to play in getting to go to an unreached people group, to a tribe, to some ethnic people out in the middle of nowhere maybe. Or he's going to send us to visit those who do go. So we have two ways that God can send us here as a church. And those are the ways that we want to be involved. These are the ways that the church was involved. I'll read a few verses for you just to show you how they sent people to visit each other, the missionaries. Listen to this. In in, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 16-18, it says, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know well the service he rendered at Ephesus. So Paul's in prison. This guy, Nesiphorus, is a believer. He hears Paul's there. And it says he sought for him earnestly. He went and he found Paul. It was difficult, but he found him. And maybe he brought him food or a cloak or other things to comfort him. But ultimately, it was his presence his presence. Listen to this one in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 and 6. and says, For even when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. The sending of people to the missionaries is what comforted them. It's what encouraged them it's what kept them going their presence And so we want to be a church that does the same thing we want to visit our missionaries I mean you talk to any missionary any one of them and you ask hey can we come visit they're like wait you want to visit oh oh, yeah like how do we do this let's figure this out that's number one like your money your prayers those are awesome but you want to come visit when let's get this done because it's encouragement. It, it helps drive them. But then also, um, the, these people in the church of Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, they were sent out. And um, I think we, we need to start hearing this or come to terms with this. We have to be sent out as well. There's, there's people in here who God wants to send to the nations. It's a difficult place to live in different cultures and peoples and languages, and it's hard and hot or cold, and it's, it's not easy. But I think we need to start thinking like this. Like I've, had, I've had a lot of people, I'm not pointing out anyone when I say this, I mean a lot of people have literally asked me, hey, so with the mission committee, your restructuring, doing all this stuff, uh, like, we want to support the missionaries, but when, when are we going like, to send people out from here? When are we going like, to send our people out? Well, yeah, that'd be great. Like, let's do it tomorrow. Who, who we got? Um, but I think there's a problem with that question and my answer. The problem is that when we ask that question, but yet ourselves are not willing to go, it's hypocritical. When I say, yeah, who we got? And I don't consider myself Bogus. That's phone. I'm a phony. Like we have to think, God, how can you use me for the spread of the gospel to the nations? How can you use me first? You want me to give, I'll give. You want me to pray, I'm praying. You want me to go, uh, I'll go. Whatever. Like it doesn't matter. Whatever. But we have to start with ourselves. We have to start with ourselves. Lord, we have to pray like Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when God says, Who will go for me? Who shall I send? And Isaiah says, I'll go. Send me. I'll go. It's not easy. I just got a email from some missionaries that our company supports. They just moved out to... Uh, to uh, western China in an area they're not allowed to be in. And, um, and we have to, like... When writing emails, we have to, like, code these things. Like, you can't say certain words. You have to, like, abbreviate them and use... Like, you can't say prayer. You have to say, like, thinking of you. You can't say the Bible. You have to... Uh, the book or something like that. And so there's all these different codes. And uh, they're from Australia. They came here a few months back. Some of you might know them. And they, they went out to western China. and uh, And it's really hard for them. Like, they... The language is really tough to learn. They've been prepping for like eight to ten years to go. Um, they've spent a lot of money and time and they're over there now and they've been there for about three months and I get this email from them and they're describing like all these things that are happening and how it's good but it's really, really hard. Like to live in a culture with people that don't think like you is extremely difficult. And then to try and share the gospel from your world view, when they have a totally different one? You try to just explain law and justice systems to Asians who think honor and fear? They don't, there's, there's something that doesn't connect there. And so it's difficult to communicate. It's difficult. You don't have your family. You don't have your house. You don't have your money. You don't have that stuff. You don't have the luxuries of America. It's hard. But I love what they said in this note. It's difficult, but it's worth it. It's worth it. They get to play a part in spreading the gospel to people in China, unreached people groups who don't have the Bible, and for all of eternity, they will have the privilege of being a part of what God did among the nations. Um, I'm going to try to close in about five more minutes. So if you will, give me five minutes here and we're going to pull up a slide. Um, and so I just want to show you, this is kind of like part two, that was the message, this is kind of part two, to so just kind of show you um, how the mission committee is going to help the church, us, be a part of the global mission. So I, I mentioned a bunch of ways in the sermon and some specific things, um, but these, these are going to get really specific. Uh, I wanted to really talk about joy because that's what drives us, and that's, that's what's going to drive us to do these things. Uh, there's going to be other areas. So, um, in the past, So before I read that, in the past what would happen is there was a mission committee and the mission committee uh, was a big group of people. And so what the mission committee would do is the mission committee would communicate, talk to the missionaries, and then try to um, give money to them. And that was pretty much it. And it seemed like the church wasn't really involved in many ways. It was just the mission committee. And so what we're doing right now is we're trying to restructure this and change this so that all of us can be involved. So what we've done is we've shrunk the mission committee. So if you were on it before, you got kicked off. <laughs> no, you're not on it anymore. That's okay. We just shrunk it, but all of us now. So if you were on the commission committee, you still have a part to play. And if you weren't, you still have a part to play. Um, so we've shrunk it and uh, made it small. Um, so this is just like the quick uh, vision or statement. So the mission committee exists to help educate and equip the church for the spreading of the gospel among unreached people groups by serving our missionaries well. So in summary, we equip the church well so that the church serves our missionaries well for the spread of God's glory among the nations. So you can go to the next slide. So this is how we want to restructure it. Oh yeah, fancy. Come on, slide them in. There we go. So here we go. A small mission committee is what we have, which then helps equip, instruct, inform, educate the church so that the church can... Go to the world. So that the church can be invested in the missionaries and in the life of our missionaries and in the global mission. Does that make sense? I just thought that slide. Tyler drew that up. I just found some images, put them together. But so we, the mission community, are going to try to help and equip so that the church, all of us, can then be a part of what our missionaries are doing among the nations. Um, And so there's just... Three simple ways, I'll say, that we that we are trying to do this. So we're, we're trying to create, um, well, you we already know, we have Monday night prayer, so praying was a big part of this. The, the church prayed, we want to pray. So every, uh, first month of every Monday, we're going to have specific, intentional, missional prayer in that room over there. First Monday of every month, sorry, I said that wrong, yeah. Oh, you laughed at me. I was, All right. So first Monday of every month, is prayer in there. And anyone is welcome. And we are going to pray for the missionaries we support and specific people groups. We'll have a different one every month, a new people group to be praying for. Um, The second thing we're going to do is uh, we'll have, there will be some announcements uh, more so up here, but we'll also have like monthly books so you guys can have opportunity to read. I'm going to be reading them every month as well. Um, So uh, there's, we have a few, some of them will be like missionary biographies. Some of them will be just education on like uh, good missionary work and bad ones and how not to and how to, and how we can uh, help and be a part of that. Uh, there's a bunch of good books on that we'll have. Um, and then also too another thing is we're trying to create a missionary care teams so that every missionary support has a care team. So that's pretty awesome for a missionary, if you've got a care team at Brantford Bible Chapel, because that care team has a leader and then whoever wants to join in that group. And you can have you know four meetings a year where you get together, you communicate with the missionary, you pray for them, uh, maybe you send them care packages, whatever it be. Um, But so that missionary care team, so we'll have one for the Rogers, one for the Maddoxes, uh, and then also too, we want to find uh, missionaries, uh, new ones to, to go out as well. And we want to be specific. We're not just talking like, go to um, a missionary in America or a missionary uh, just in Mexico among a reached tribe. We want to specifically have missionaries who go to reach unreached peoples because unreached peoples have never little to no access to the gospel. They they probably have never heard of Jesus. Some of them have, but there's like 0.2% Christian in that place. So like no churches, which is kind of crazy. So we want to specifically be supporting those types of missionaries Um, who are specifically planting churches. Uh, And that's really difficult, and that doesn't happen immediately. And so we know that. But but those are the types of missionaries we're going to try to uh, pray and find and and send as well. So, um, yeah, that's going to be the structure. Um, And I'll just end with this really too, is that I didn't mention this morning a lot of statistics. um, But it's like, Three billion people have never heard the gospel. Billion. Not million, billion. Like, that's unbelievable. Over like 6,600 people groups have never heard the gospel. Some of them don't have the Bible in their. Most of them don't have the Bible translated in their language. They don't have access to this joy that we talked about. They don't have it. And it can be really, really hard for us in America, in North Brantford, or wherever we live, to not think of those people, it can be so easy for us to not think of them, because we just you know, we're just here, we're just doing our thing. We're busy. We've got a lot going on, and we do. And that's fine. But we need to be specifically intentional about getting the gospel to them. Or else we won't. Or else we'll just kind of like, this, thing, this whole thing that we're trying to do right now, we'll just kind of flatten out. Nothing will happen. So uh, the, the, our job as the mission committee is going to be to try to really make the global mission, Unriched People Groups, um, the lifeblood of Brantford Bible Chapel. We're going to try to get this in the, in the veins, in the, in the blood flow, in the streams. And so that keep, keeps coming up. We keep thinking about it. We keep praying about it. We keep giving towards those people. Um, And so I know there's a lot of questions right now because I didn't answer a lot of things. That is totally okay. You can talk to me after. Um, But uh, we'll end it with that, and we'll pray right now. And then, uh, yeah, that's it. God, thank you um, that you loved us so much. God, You died for us, for our sin. You saved us from Your wrath. You saved us from Your eternal wrath so that we don't have to face it and instead we can come as children into Your kingdom. We get to call You our Father, Savior, Friend, Messiah, Redeemer, Lord, You are all of these things to us. And yet there's so many people on this planet who don't know that. God, thank You so much for being so big. Because where we have failed to think of these people, You have not. Where we have failed to pray, to give and to send, You have not. God, you're going to use people, you're going to use churches in America and Australia and across the world to send Christians to unreached peoples to give them this joy. God, I ask that we would look at this opportunity of you inviting us as a favor. Would you change our hearts if we don't see it like that? Make us more like the church in Macedonia. Make us more like the church in Antioch. God, take away our fears, our struggles, our stingy giving. And make us people who are willing to give anything because you have all of us. Lord, thank you for uh, this Sunday specifically, and I ask that you would uh, you would continue to bring, be bringing these things to our minds, Lord, that we would be satisfied in you today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen.